Our faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Aloha and welcome to the believer's journey. Um, today we have uh, our topic is to honor. We're going to talk about honoring people, whether it be your parents, your children, your spouse, your friends, in business, just honor. With me today, I have the one and only Susan Cutting, my wife. Hi. Good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> Good morning, afternoon. <laughs> Wherever you are. Anyway, um, it's really an interesting time. We had our guest who was supposed to come, couldn't make it because of the coronavirus. And then we had a second guest, and they were able to make it until just recently. So we um, have improvised, and we've changed the topic, and uh, this ought to be pretty good. Um, anyway, I want Susan to tell us a little bit about herself. Well, I'm from Hawaii originally. My family has lived there for over 100 years, and we have our fifth generation of family there now. And I've lived in San Antonio, Texas since 1993, and we go to Community Bible Church. Uh, we have our own business, uh, high-tech flags and advertising specialties, and trade show displays, and uh, we just enjoy life. Okay. Before we get started, I want to talk a little bit about um, our website and our show here. I, uh, if anybody can, if you can, what I would like you to do is be able to go to our website if, if possible. It's called thebelieversjourney.net. And we actually have our videos on there. On the left-hand side is our one-hour videos. And on the right-hand side, we're going to be having our five- to ten-minute videos. We have one on there now. And we um, talked about uh, believe, pistuo, and aman, which are the Greek and the Hebrew words. And we're going to add to those every week. In our website, we also have uh, a discussion page about myself. We have a page about our guests and we have links about our guests that go to their particular websites. We also have a missionary in which we uh, promote and we support. Uh, we have a page you can contact us. Um, anyway, a lot of good information on our website. Also, we have a YouTube uh, page called The Believer's Journey. Now, that comes with an apostrophe S. I noticed there's some that without it. And we have our logo there, which is a round circle and a foot. And we have all of our videos on there. What I would like for you to do, if you're listening to, to the show, is please go to our YouTube page and subscribe to it. It doesn't cost anything to subscribe. It just helps us to maintain a, a good visual area on YouTube, and it gives us some special, you know, stuff there we can uh, keep up on top. Other than that, uh, let, me, let me talk about Susan and, and myself. This is an interesting story. I didn't plan on this one, but um, when I was uh, traveling through San Antonio back in 1999, I had stopped for a little while and got stuck here for a little bit, and I went to um, a bar. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Already, you're going to notice that I like to joke around, and Susan's the straight man. Uh, it's hard for me to ever tell jokes, because when Susan's standing around, she always tells, tells everybody, no, that's not true, and I have a hard time. So, because I'm the arbiter of truth. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's quite comical. But anyway, I um, met Susan. I was teaching at the university, and I just happened to go to this dance area, and Susan was there, and I really didn't know who she was. And uh, she went to a church that was different than mine, and our groups were there. And while I was sitting down at this table, a little girl laid her head down on my arm, which I had no clue. She was like 12 years old, and she fell asleep on my arm. When I asked who 
the little girl was, they, they uh, told me, oh, that's Susan's daughter. And I'm like, well, who is Susan? And they pointed her out, and I thought, wow, she's really, really beautiful. And so um, when the little girl woke up, I introduced myself, and afterwards I uh, met Susan, and I asked her to dance. Come to find out that Susan was born and raised in Hawaii, like she told you, and I had just come from Hawaii. I was actually on my way back. And um, because of that, I, I got an interest in her, and we basically started dating for a very short period of time. How long? Short period of time. And we got married. <clears throat> Several years, at least a decade into the marriage, I think it was, we were talking to my grandmother, and my grandmother, I think at the time, her Susan's father was living with us, and my grandmother had started talking about people she knew as a child while she lived in Hawaii. So my, my family also moved to Hawaii back in the 1920s, and my grandmother mentioned a name Woolly, which was a contractor, I believe, and, and uh, family names that Susan recognized. And she had mentioned that her family were friends with these other families. And then we went to talk to her father and asked if she knew, he knew of the McCulley family, which was my grandmother's last name. And he said, oh, yes. So come to find out, back in the 20s, my family and Susan's family were friends. And we had no idea until after we were married for several years. And um, kind of interesting, My uh, Susan's family moved there because her grandfather started to work for was it American Cannery? No, oh. uh, Kauai Pine uh, on the island of Kauai. He was the superintendent for the Pineapple <clears throat> Cannery. Okay. And my great-grandfather moved to Oahu. He was... Uh, um, Guy that does the he was the interior the designer interior for, designer for the Royal Hawaiian Hotel when it went up, and so that was quite interesting. So we actually went go back in our families quite a while, which is kind of fun. So I lived in Hawaii for I've said this before seven years, and unfortunately Susan and I never met there. But um, when she went to college, she was supposed to go to a college that was actually literally a couple miles from where I went. So, but we never met. Well, the rest is history now. That's true. Anyway, <clears throat> let's talk about honoring, okay? The first thing I want to talk about is what does it really mean to honor? And I have a little, um, little thing here. To honor is to attach high value, I kind of learned a lot about honoring from a, a psychologist who did a lot of um, speaking, and his name was Gary Smalley. He talked about relationships and the keys to relationships. And one of the things he talked about was honor and uh, how we need to honor one another. And in looking around in my life as a, as a believer, I've noticed that there are many, many people who do not honor. We don't honor their parents, the parents don't honor their children, people, employers don't honor their employees, employees don't honor their employers, family members, friends, there's just a lack of honor all over um, in our country. I mean, I don't know how, if you've noticed stuff like that, but... I think there's a lack of honor and respect in general. Yeah. One of the things that Susan said is that we have our own business. <clears throat> when we... Um, when I came on board, I resigned from the um, university, and I wanted to see what Susan did for a living. And so when I rode around with her and realized this could be much bigger than it, than it is or was, I learned to build a website, and we started uh, this business and went national. And one of the things that I knew is that I was not a businessman. I'm a pastor. I'm a Bible teacher. So I had no idea, no clue how to run a business. So um, the things that I had to do was come up and understand what are my strengths, because I knew I had a lot of weaknesses in this area, but what are my strengths and what are Susan's strengths? And we kind of built on that, this business. One of the main things that I understood were biblical principles and to apply those biblical principles to our business. 
So, for example, when Susan and I uh, deal with people or we deal with customers, uh, one of the most important things that we understand is that Jesus is literally in charge of our business, quite like the owner of our business. That's correct. And one of the things that we are, are very adamant about is how we treat our customers. There are many customers who get things wrong or don't do things right or break things, and we have to decide, are we going to fix this, pay for it, uh, split the cost? How are we going to deal with these customers? We know there are many uh, business people who will just cut them off and say, you bought it, you broke it, no matter what happened, and that's it. And we take a different stand on things, don't we? Right. We try and help people out as much as we can to the best of our ability under the circumstances. In fact, there's a lot of times we actually will lose money because we'll feel that even though the customer might have done something to whatever product we had sold them, we either feel bad or feel like we want to keep them as a customer. And so sometimes we just we eat the product. Well, we care about our customers. They aren't just customers. They are part of our friends and family. And so we want to do the right thing for them at all times and help them, you know, get the products they need, have them be appropriate. And if there's any issues along the way, we work to resolve them as quickly as possible. So in speaking about this as a business, how I look at it in not only honoring um, the customers, but it's on, honoring Jesus, honoring God in my life as I deal with other people, which on top of all of that is the idea of integrity. Right. Integrity is really important. Without integrity, you really have nothing. Right. So anyway, let's start off with honoring and, and go through topics. And my first topic was actually about parents. We find in the Bible there's a commandment um, uh, in Exodus 20.12. It says, To honor your father and mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord gives you. Um, now I've heard for many years that this is a promise. But I also heard recently from a teacher that it's also, or even more so, a reason. There's a reason to honoring your parents other than just a promise. And one of the reasons or the, the bottom line this person gives is that when we build society, if we don't honor our parents, we're going to lose our society. Well, I think when you're honoring your parents, it shows that you're giving people the respect that they deserve. Uh, you aren't ignoring their needs. Um, and it makes you, when you're a caring person, you're going to be doing more for others. And when you lose that aspect of caring, then everything just goes downhill. Uh, what's interesting is I've known for a long time in the, in the Jewish culture uh, for many years, especially Old Testament, and I see this in cultures across the world. As parents get older, the kids take care of them. Well, growing up in Hawaii, uh, it's very much ingrained in the culture there to take care of your family, your ohana. And your ohana isn't necessarily just your biological family. It's your close friends, your neighbors. You care for everyone. Uh, there's a term that's used that's called hanai, which is like adopting someone who's not a blood relative. They're considered part of your family. And so there's this great respect uh, for your elders, a great respect for your family members, for everyone in the community. And that uh, sense of... Um, Honor and caring is so prevalent there, and it's so important. And it's not as much here on the mainland as it is in Hawaii, which is unfortunate. A lot of this type of caring and honoring families is very traditional in a lot of other cultures, such as the Asian culture or the Mexican culture. And um, But it's in the United States now, a lot of it is just... People do their own thing when they're 
family members need help, they just put them in a nursing home or get caregivers. They don't actually take on the support roles that they should. Yes, and I've, I've seen more and more of that in our, in our country as I've gotten older, and I think it's really sad. Uh, just recently, uh, my mother uh, moved in with my brother, and so he built a, a remodeled his house for a room for her, so he, she has a place to stay with him. Right, and there is somewhat of a trend back towards multi-generational uh, living with families, uh, which, again, is something that's been traditional in Hawaii, where you have one, two, or three generations living together. Uh, and we did that ourselves. We brought my parents in to live with us back in 2010 and cared for both of them until each of them passed away. Now, that's a really interesting story. Um, when Susan and I met, um, and just before we got married, we kind of had this agreement. Um, do you remember what that was? No. That we were going to move to Hawaii, and that's exactly what I want to do is go back to Hawaii and live. I didn't want to stay in Texas at all. And um, so we made this agreement that we were going to move to Hawaii after Brian graduated from high school. And so he graduated from high school, so I decided to sit down and talk about going to Hawaii and moving there. And that didn't happen. Go Pardon on. Me. Pardon me? Nothing. That didn't happen. So it ended up that um, in a, a couple of years later, in a discussion about going to Hawaii, I really wanted to move there. And Susan was like, no, my parents are here. Do you remember this? Oh, now I do, yes. Okay. So anyway, I was adamant about moving to Hawaii. This is where I belong. This is where I want to go. This is where my heart is. And that was it. And Susan was like, no, my parents are here. I need to be here to take care of them. You know, and I'm like, well, they have their own apartment. They're fine. They can take care of themselves. And Susan was so upset, she went to our pastor, Robert Emmett. Oh, I remember. Because <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to get confirmation how I was wrong and she was right. Do you remember this? Yes. Go ahead. And he was in agreement with me <laughs> and said it was important to honor my parents. So she came back to me and told me, and, and, and I... In my gut, I knew that Susan was right. And I was just, it was so hard for me to really think, no, I don't want to do that. And uh, it, was, it was a real struggle for me inside me. It was a real struggle for me. I knew Susan was right. And I knew, because I knew the scriptures. I knew, I knew how it was to be, is that we needed to honor them. They really... Um, we're not taking care of themselves very well because we get a call every other day or so from Susan's father, I need help. Your mom has fallen. I need to help her pick her up or I need this to happen or she would have to stay there overnight. There was a lot of those things. Well, what happened was my mother suffered from dementia and it became more and more difficult for my father to take care of him, take care of her on his own. And so we were needed more and more to be able to help out middle-of-the-night calls or other situations. Or if my father was in the hospital, I would go and stay there and take care of my mother. So we realized that we needed to make a change. However, our home did not have a downstairs extra bedroom, uh, and my mother used a walker. So... Uh, we knew we needed to move them in with us, but at that time, uh, we weren't able to immediately, so we had to find another home that could accommodate both of them, and so that's what we did. Yeah. So, obviously, you know, the end of the story is we're still in Texas. <laughs> and I'm still right. <laughs> so, and she likes that. Um, so... Honoring your parents is much more than just obedience, obedience to say, yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, or I'll do it, or you wash the dishes when they tell you. It's, it's taking care of your parents when they get older. And well, again, you know, that's very important and part of the culture I grew up uh, in. My grandparents actually uh, took care of my great-grandmother. She lived with them for many years until... Uh, she ended up having a stroke and needing to go into a nursing home. But 
uh, I do remember as a child going over to my grandparents' house and playing with my great-grandmother also. So it's just something that if you have the ability and the means to do so, uh, it's very rewarding, even though it can be very difficult. Um, one of the problems I think that we, as a society, and I don't know if this is just a, a society in the United States or North America or in other countries, but one of the problems I think we have is as we've become more independent as people, we tend to um, want to keep that independence as we get older, as an adult, and if since we as a country uh, tend to have the money or we tend to have the means to have parents in a nursing home, we tend to shove them off into nursing homes. And that's very unfortunate. Now, there are some older people who do want to live in an assisted living community because they do have their peers that they can interact with and be social. So sometimes people do prefer that. But in the case of my parents, my mother needed the extra care, but uh, we didn't want her in an assisted living or dementia care facility if that could be avoided, just so she could be with people who were familiar and uh, know that she was well cared for. So we had the means and opportunity to be able to do that for her and to alleviate the stress on my dad being a sole caretaker. In fact, it was really fortunate uh, to tell you some of our story. We have, on our business, it's actually a home business. We have an office in our home. And since we could be there in the home, what we did was we hired somebody to sit with uh, Susan's mother during the day, during a lot of the hours that we were working. When we were able to take breaks, we would go out and sit with her as well. And then at the end of the day, we were there with her mom. And so therefore, the family was all together, even though we had to work, we were fortunate that our business was right there in the home, and so we were all together. So she had companionship all day long, every day. Yeah. And then uh, and then she passed away, and then we had your father, and your father stayed with us for several years later after that. And he was in pretty good health for many of those years until he fell and broke his hip. And then... He had a lot of difficulties after that and went through a lot of rehab. Then in 2017, he became ill, was in the hospital, and was sent to a rehabilitation hospital for several months. And uh, I would go there every day and spend several hours every day there with him, usually six to seven days a week. And then he was able to come home on Mother's Day, actually, of that year. And he continued to do well uh, up until December of 2017. No, maybe it was early February of uh, 2018. Uh, he fell again and ended up in the hospital, had to have uh, pacemaker surgery, at the time that happened, we were on a mission trip in Moldova, so that was very scary. Uh, we did have people there to take care of him. My son came out from Houston uh, to spend some time with him, and uh, we were able to come home just a few days after. But he was uh, in a very bad condition because when he went to the rehabilitation hospital, uh, when he was being transferred from the uh, stretcher from the ambulance to his bed, he sustained a severe injury due to um, negligence on part of the ambulance staff. And what was supposed to have been a 10-day rehabilitation for his post-pacemaker surgery ended up being almost six months in the hospital with no recovery and in constant pain. And at that time, I was spending seven to eight hours a day at the hospital seven days a week for almost six months. And it was a very horrific situation. Yeah, in fact, I almost forgot that I was married to you. You were gone so long. I'd wave at you now and then. <laughs> it was really difficult because uh, worry is Susan's middle name. Not that she was born with it, but uh, it was part of it. So her worry and stress factor during this time was just amazingly, when she uses the word horrific, 
it, it was uh, how she handled it was really hard on Susan as well. Um, well, I had to be his advocate, and uh, that's another thing that is very difficult because you can't just trust that the people who are caring for your loved one are going to do the best possible job because they're busy and they aren't your family. So you have to step in and make sure that things are done appropriately. And my dad was able to finally come home, but then he passed away three weeks after he was home, which uh, that was very difficult as well. Yeah. So honoring your parents, it's such a major factor. You know, the Bible never says that we need to love our parents, but it commands us to honor our parents. Uh, my story is pretty easy. It's pretty simple. Um, however, the lifestyle that I uh, that developed within me because of it is not so easy, and it was very difficult to work through situations and problems. I, as most of you have heard, you know, I grew up after I was ten years old without a father, um, and when I was an older teenager, I kind of disowned my mother. And when I was about thirty, I realized I was dishonoring God. And I had to go back to my mother and apologize to her that I had not even been a son to her. Um, my dad never and I never really had a close relationship till last several few years before he passed away. And the last year he lived with us and he actually became like my best friend. It was a really amazing situation. But I think that um, as I look around, I'm noticing that people – strive parents parents strive to be loved by their children not necessarily honored i think that's something that you even deal with you're looking for love because you want to be loved so much that the, the honor is second place well i just want to spend time with my family i think most people do and uh, certainly you want your children, grandchildren, and other family to love you as much as you love them, but then you also want them to honor and respect you. One thing I've uh, noticed about Susan, which I think is so cool, is how much she honors her children even when she disagrees with them. And if they're watching, this is going to be tricky. <laughs> well, then I would be careful. <laughs> I know that there are parents a lot of times uh, when they watch their children do things and raise their own children, the grandchildren, that a lot of parents step in and say things. You shouldn't do this. You should do this. And they correct their own child on how they're raising their own children. And I would never do that because I respect them as adults and parents to be capable of making their own decisions. So unless it involved a situation of danger, I would not interfere Although I really have not found anything to disagree with them in how they're raising their children. Uh, they're doing a fantastic job. But should I have a different way of, say, handling a mealtime or something else, that's none of my business. And unless it's critical, then I'm going to keep my lips zippered. So when we talk about honoring parents, honoring children really is equally important. Um, this is why I say I think you're commended. I think you're commended to to honor your children in the way they're raising their own children. I think that's a really good thing. We um, have a lack of honoring within our own families. I've noticed even in my family we have some dishonoring going on at the height of <laughs> <it's> – Well, <laughs> that's true in every family. It's not – all uh, kittens and puppies and roses and lollipops. I mean, yeah. Uh, but for the most part, you do need to uh, be respectful and honor your family and uh, do your best to uh, work things out if the situation arises. Anyway, why I think it's so important that children honor their parents, other than just because of the commandment. But when we honor our parents, we actually have a better understanding of honoring God. 
Right, because how can we honor anybody else if we don't honor God first? Right. Well, actually, how can we honor God if we can't honor our parents? There's both sides of the coin. Yeah, we, we actually learn to honor our parents first. When we're born and we grow up as children, that's right. our number one given is that we have parents to, to obey, to honor, to, to do these things. And we learn this moral um, accountability, if you will, to our parents. We learn that in so much as as we grow up, that moral accountability to God himself. Right, and Jesus demonstrated that growing up with his parents, how to show honor and respect. Which brings us to another issue, step-parents. Joseph was not Jesus' biological father. He was his stepdad. And yet the Bible said that he honored and obeyed Joseph, or his parents, as you said, parents. So... You know, as a parent steps in, I mean, one of my situations is my mom and dad divorced, my mom and dad remarried. So we have, I have a stepmother and a stepfather. And as uh, my father has passed away, I still have honor for my stepmother. Why? Because that was my father's wife. Right. And there, there's an honor there. I think it's important that we understand that. When we look in the Old Testament, you know, Rachel passed away and had Benjamin and... Um, and Joseph, who became their mother? Leah did. And so when we look at this, we look at step-parents and step-children are just as important to honor. Because when a parent steps in to take care of their, their spouse's children, they're stepping in as the parent to not be separate from them, but to, to include them. And I had a, a stepfather who basically told me he hated me. Um, and I don't think he liked any of us boys, and there's four of us, and we were all hellions, and we were all crazy, and um, he didn't really show us that. Well, there were five children total. He probably was a little overwhelmed. That's what my mom said. He didn't understand how, because we were crazy. I mean, we were we ran the streets. We were wild, and he was not, and he was brought up with the UCLA mentality of <clears throat> everybody is sits proper, walks proper, coughs proper, acts proper, and we didn't. I think that was partly generational, too. <laughs> Could be. Um, but I think it's important we understand that honor in family members is so important. And when we realize that a father or a stepfather or a mother or stepmother honors the children or stepchildren, we're also getting an understanding of how God honors us. Right. You know, there are people, a lot of people have a problem with, with God, the Father. Uh, they picture him in their mind as some big, huge authoritarian with a long beard and a hammer. If you do something wrong, he, you know, hits you or smashes you or does something because you did something wrong. And a lot of us grow up this way with that picture of God. And what was really, really cool is when Jesus was in the upper room talking to uh, the disciples, um, one of the disciples asked them, show us the Father. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. To me, that took a whole different picture of, of God. Now we see the Father as Jesus well, how was Jesus? How do we see him in Scripture? Well, he was compassionate. He was loving. He was kind. He was giving. He prayed for them, walked with them, laughed with them, spent time with them. He was someone who showed the very essence of what was to honor. And so when we see Jesus, when we can see the Father like Jesus or as Jesus, then we have a better understanding of who the Father really is. I think that's really important, and people need to see that and have that perspective, the God view. Yes. So honoring parents, honoring children, it's really so important that we, we see this, um, that we don't just think it's just something that, uh, well, living here in Texas or I guess in the South, you have a lot of parents that make their children say, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, or no, sir, or no, ma'am to every adult in the world that's around. Well, that's um, supposed to be teaching respect and uh, 
manners. I, I was never being from in California or on the West Coast, and even in Hawaii. You didn't ha- unless they were in the military. You didn't have that. It was you know you showed respect. It was always yes and no. It was always let me do for you. Let me carry. Let me do stuff. And you showed manners in that way. But the yes or no sir is something I'm wondering sometimes if it's only a matter of verbal and not a matter of action. It needs to be a heart matter. You need to feel that in your heart. And going back to Hawaii, you know, there is uh, very much like in Japan, uh, respect for your elders. Your elders are called kupuna, and you Mm. want to put them first and take care of them. And that's something that would be an ideal all over the world. You know, it's interesting. Um, As I've noticed this, as a lot of people get older, I don't know if this is more true with men than it is with women, but uh, they tend to want to talk more. And a lot of times I I ran into uh, a friend of mine's uh, grandfather who's in his 80s, and he just loved to talk and talk and talk and talk. And, you know, I knew I had nothing else to do, and so I listened. And I listened, and I listened, and I listened, and I listened. And after we went away, I thought more and more, this person's lonely. He really needs to talk. Well, a lot of older people feel disenfranchised because in the United States and probably a lot of Western nations, uh, that respect for the elders is lost. And it's not that they don't care for their elders or love them, but it's sort of like, well, they're old and I don't really need to be a part of their lives or an active part of their lives. And so older people, especially, you know, in their 70s, 80s and older, feel uh, shoved aside. They're irrelevant. Or like in the case of what's going on with uh, the coronavirus, a lot of People see, oh, well, this is a way to, you know, kind of call the herd, yeah. get rid of the old people. And so uh, just because someone is older doesn't mean that there's any reason to honor them less or respect them less than when they were younger. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. And I know this person's listening or watching right now, but we, uh, Susan and I have, have adopted uh, a lady into our home. And uh, her name is Naomi, and she basically has kind of become our, what would you say? Well, she's become part of our ohana. Uh, And this is, when I mentioned earlier, the concept of hanai, or adopting, uh, we've adopted her into our family. And actually, Naomi lived in Hawaii for over 30 years on the big island. And so uh, we have that shared culture, and uh, we're very delighted to have her be part of our lives yes especially when she cooks uh, or makes this uh, wonderful you know liloquoi pie uh, passion fruit pie <laughs> it's a favorite uh, dessert in hawaii it's a favorite of mine that's for sure um but anyway it's 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 amazing um, looking at, at this as a family now, if we take it over, we were talking a little bit about uh, in business. So we have a business. We have uh, someone working for us. We've actually had a few people who have worked for us. And I have found so much how important it is to honor the people or person working for you. Right. And it's important, on the other hand, for employees to work for or honor those who you work for. Right. Well, we always, well, some of our employees had been family, so we did treat them like family, but even the ones who are not blood family, we have that same concept. The the girl working for us now, uh, and we've had to scale down our, our business. Uh, it, it, we, um, it's gotten not smaller, just have less customers, I guess. Well, it's the dynamics have changed some. Yeah. So, um, and I have complete respect for the girl that works for us, and, and, and I honor her. I think she's an amazing person, and I am 
really glad that she works for us. And, and, you know, there are times when she can't make it in at a particular time or times she needs to go somewhere. Or even times I notice she's sitting there and just really would like to go home. I say, well, you know what? Go on home. I pay her for the rest of the day. It's not important uh, anything to be stingy. It's just important that I honor her. Right. Well, again, you know, she's part of our family. Yeah. Um, in fact, she married a former boyfriend of yours. I think it's time to move on. <laughs> We're back to the jokester and the. <laughs> um, okay, so if you happen to be an employer or you happen to be an employee, it's important that you honor those you work with because. Um, if you don't, those people who work for somebody and they steal time or they happen to steal items or they don't, they spend all their time playing and not time working, you're actually stealing money. Um, if you come to work and you clock in later or, or clock in earlier than you came in, you're stealing money. It's, it's a place of, of, of dishonor. And I, I think that on the other, other side of the coin, those who are employers, those who employ people, need to honor those who work for them. They need to take in the fact that these people, you know, uh, are trying to do a job for you. I had a boss years ago. I worked for what is now called the Texas Workforce Commission. And uh, our office managers or boss, he honored all of his employees, he said, I'm not going to um, monitor everything that you do because I have to trust that you will take just the allotted time for your lunch or for your breaks. And because he gave us that trust, people honored him as he honored us. And then if something came up that you needed assistance, he was right there for you. Um, and he was probably the best boss I've ever had. And, but that's because he honored his employees and they honored him back. Yeah. And I think finally we can come around to marriage. <clears throat> marriage is a really interesting place of honor um, because men and women are so different. Well, that's a good thing. <laughs> and explain why. Well, it wouldn't work too well if we were exactly alike. I think it, uh, you get a real balance between the two. Yes. Uh, this is another one of these topics or areas that I learned from Gary Smalley. I have to give him credit, you know, on, on the beginning of my understanding with this as I have studied more and more into this area because he sparked this within me to even learn more and more. An interesting uh, thing is I started to, I actually was asked to do seminars on these relationships and issue where I, I brought in the idea of honoring and, and relationships with men and women in marriage. Um, and I started, when I started doing these seminars, I guess, um, which I've never done before, they became kind of a hit, I, I guess. Well, you were doing them in Moldova for uh, their family life ministry. And a lot of them uh, had struggles with their marriages and uh, how traditionally the men over there did not, they were more in charge of the family. The women didn't seem to have much leeway in the relationship because of cultural tradition. And it was a way to give them the information to improve their relationships so the wives would feel it's more balanced. Well, it's like a lot of our country for many years until just basically recently. Um, I want to read something, though, from the Scripture in Ephesians. This is a really interesting um, passage that I've never seen anybody take and lay out in the topic or instruction of honor. And it's in Ephesians chapter 5 and it's verse 22. And I, we go all the way to verse 33. And this is what it says. It says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is also the head of the church, 
he himself being the savior of the body, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. I'm going to stop there for a second and discuss this a little bit because one of the problems that I have found in in the teachings of a lot of um, men or pastors or the traditional way of, of this is that uh, women need to obey their husbands at everything they say. And that's not correct. What is correct? It needs to be a balanced relationship. Okay. It's interesting because as you go on through this this passage, Jesus, I'm sorry, Paul actually puts the weight of the relationship on the husband. We're going to get into that a little bit. But even more so, uh, God talks, or Paul, I'm sorry, Paul talks about what the wife's responsibility is after he talks about the husband later on because he captures this and goes full circle. And I really believe that when we talk about uh, the idea of submitting to your husbands is more of an idea that they are putting themselves in a position like you do in the military. You have ranks. You have a colonel over a captain and so forth. However, when it says here to be subject as unto the Lord, we do not um, look at Christianity, if you will, as Jesus standing over us, you know, like a drill sergeant, telling us what we have to do, you know, drop, do 50, whatever it is, in that kind of uh, demand. However, out of our respect and honor for Jesus, we give him and submit our lives to him. Does that make sense? Yes. And I think that's what we're going to see as we get closer to the uh, verses 32 and 33. But I want to say that because I think it's most important that we see Christianity on this parallel level of what you see Jesus and the church. And Jesus is the head of the church. He's also the bridegroom of the church. And then you see marriage and you see husband and wife. And these two areas are actual parallel to each other. God created, you know, the marriage. And God is there to um, instruct us of how the marriage needs to work. God also created the church. He created that in which instructs us how to live within this boundary as well. And they're equally the same. And when you read this passage, you see that really clearly. It's equally the same. In fact, we want to, if we want to get stuck on that word submit or be submissive, if we go back into chapter 4, it says that we need to submit to one another. Well, how does everybody obey one another? I mean, you know, and then one's over the other. What's the give and take? Exactly. And that's, that's exactly what you said. It's a relationship that we need to uh, work together. Okay? When Susan and I met... One of the things I asked her, and it had to do because of the relationship she had come out of previously, um, I asked her if she believed that um, a wife needs to obey everything a husband does and a husband needs to tell her and be in charge and and order everything that that needs to be done. And she says no. And I told her I believe it needs to be uh, a partnership, if you remember. Yes. And something that we work on together and – and that's basically how we've worked our relationship. Is that true? Mostly. <laughs> you can't be perfect at it. It's something that everybody who's married has to constantly keep on top of. That's true. Um, anyway, so I think it's important we see that. Now I'm gonna, let me go on to the next thing. Um, it says husbands. We're in verse... 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her so that he might sanctify her. We're talking about Jesus sanctifying the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Now, this is what Jesus does with the church. So now his next verse in verse 28, Paul says this. So husbands 
ought to also love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife also loves himself, for no one uh, ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. So basically what we're saying here is Jesus takes care of the church. He loves the church, presents the church, you know, blameless, spotless, honors the church, okay? And this is what Paul is saying that husbands need to do with their wives. I mean, exactly what we're supposed to do. Uh, I don't see in here where uh, it says a husband needs to run around with a hammer beating his wife if if, uh, she doesn't do what he says. I knew of a situation one time where there, this is a terrible situation, that where a, a man was molesting his daughter. And the mother took the daughter to their pastor. And the pastor said to her, the Bible says you need to obey your husband. You need to go back to your husband, and he is the head of the home. I don't think he paid attention in seminary. Well, I don't know, even know he went to seminary. Well, that could be the problem. <laughs> But the, the problem is, is that our misunderstanding or misquotation or, or, or misteaching of the word can cause a lot of damage and harm. And it obviously did a lot of harm to this, all these relationships in that home. And I believe that we need to pay more attention to how Jesus loves us. Jesus honors us. Jesus takes care of us. And what the scripture says, how we need to honor one another, love one another. So verse 31 says this, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you is to love his own wife as himself, and the wife must see to it that he, she respects her husband. And there you are, full circle. And we have this relationship in, in a marriage, a husband and wife. And we have this relationship with God, the church, and Jesus. And they are totally on the same plane, totally identical. And I think that as I live as a believer, my desire is to honor Jesus. So when we look at a wife... In a marriage, I believe it should be her desire to honor her husband. It's a two-way street. I also believe it is a commandment for the husband to love his wife as Jesus loved the church. I like that one. <laughs> you would. And, and I teach with this a lot. And when I come into, when we start talking about love, you'll hear this again. But I believe that the way a husband needs to love his wife as, as Jesus loved the church is this. Jesus didn't just go off to the cross and die and said, I, I love you, so I'm going to go die on the cross. No. No. What he did was he spent time with the church. He prayed for the church. He fed the church. He healed the church, which in our terms is comforting one another. And he finally got down on his hands and knees and he washed their feet, which means he was a servant to the church. He had a relationship, and it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. And if you don't have a relationship, you can't really honor somebody else. I have to think about that one. Well, it makes it more difficult. Well, that's true. Um, But I think I can honor somebody without the relationship. Um, But anyway, uh, but I don't think it works well or works in a perfect mode without the relationship. The relationship is what makes it work well. Well, if you're talking about family dynamics, other outside, maybe not as much. Yeah. Something Susan said that I thought was really interesting. She says, we're very different. We're not the same. And it's, uh, it's really important that we recognize that we're not the same. It's good that we're not the same. I agree. So... One of the things that we have in honor is to recognize how different we really are. Uh, For example, um, 
we as men need to understand that women find their identity in relationships. Okay? Well, as they say, was it women are from Venus and men are from Mars? I suppose. I, I'm not sure how it relates here, but I do they're know. Dif- they're different. <laughs> I do know that my wife is what I would call a social butterfly. When we go places, she speaks and talks to everybody in that room that we happen to be in. I mean, she has business cards. She has stories. She talks. I mean, if there was nobody in the room, she'd talk to the wall. She talks. Well, I'm not that desperate. (laughs) (laughs) But she talks to people. When uh, in In our business, you know, I know that she has a way with people in relationships that if we have somebody who wants to cancel an order or get upset, you know, I'll give her the phone. And the reason I give her the phone... Because I can correct the situation. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell people, you know, you know what, I'm done with you. And Susan will, will sit there and talk to them and find out where they live and find out if they have kids and find out what schools are and find out all this non-essential things to me and end up saving the sale, end up selling something else, end up b- making friends with them. Well, it's building relationships. You do it with customers, too. Right. Because, again, as we said earlier, we don't view our customers as just a customer. They're our family and friends. That's how we expect to treat them. And so Susan's really good. She's good at inviting people places. We have this other little business we do with travel, and She's good at inviting people. And me invite you, invite you, talk to you. Oh, well, you need to come do this. And she always finds if somebody needs help, let me figure this out for you and call you back. And she's good with these relationships. Now, on the other side of the coin, a man usually finds his identity through his accomplishments. That's true. The more trophies on the bookcase, the better. You know, first thing the guy usually asks another guy is this. What do you do for a living? What, what's your job? What do you do? You know, and it's all about accomplishments and all about your rank in what you do. And it's um, a pride in that. Well, different things are important to different genders. <laughs> anyway, to honor is probably the greatest relationship principle that I know of. It is very important. When, um, when I see Susan as my, obviously, as, uh, she is my spouse. As I see her as my <laughs> wife, my spouse, you know, I see the differences. I see the imperfections. Now, imperfections? I've got imperfections. Oh, no. I know, and what's really hard is when I, if I happen to point one out, <laughs> then I'm in trouble. That's okay. I can make a list <laughs> of yours. <laughs> um, but it's important that we can see them, accept them, love them for it, and build on that. Well, that's part of honoring because you don't have to be perfect to honor somebody or be honored. Right. So, so we need to, as People, as believers, even more so than non-believers, we need to understand how important it is to honor one another. It is the basic, as far as I'm concerned, the basic and greatest foundation that, that you have in a relationship. I mean, everybody talks about trust. Well, if you don't honor somebody, you can't even come into the idea of trusting. Right. So honoring is so important. Um, <clears throat> I have written down here, honoring begins our relationships. It continues them into where you really do and enjoy one another. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's so, so important that we honor one another. Um, there are five um, basic differences that, that I have found uh, between men and women, okay? Only five? Only five. Uh, other, th- other than the physical aspect, uh, other than you're more beautiful and hot than I am, you know, there's only five other ones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you all have to understand, uh, Susan probably asked me 25 times, how do I look? Do I look good enough? Do I look okay? <laughs> 
And, and he never asks me how he looks. <laughs> so, guys have more confidence. Anyway, number one, men discover and express facts. When we talk about stuff, and I am big on this, I'm big on facts. You know, uh, it's probably really bad when we're in church and I'm listening to the speaker and I hear something come off that is not factual. What's the first thing I do? You look it up. <laughs> it's like, this doesn't sound right. But it's not personal against the pastor because you do the very same thing with me. Yeah, and you hate it. I do. <laughs> because I know I'm right, so why do you have to check out the facts? Because I'm a man. That's just part of what I am as a, as a human being. We tend to do this as men. Women, on the other hand, are more in touch with their emotions. Okay. That's generally true. That's true. What we need to understand is, instead of getting bothered that, oh, my wife is so emotional, oh, my husband doesn't ever believe me what I say, we need to realize this is our makeup, and we need to honor the fact that we are this way and we are different, because the two blend together and work well together. Right. Okay, There are times when Susan feels something and has an emotional feeling that I will think, that doesn't make any sense. However, there are times when I have to realize that I want to trust her feelings and emotions, even though there's no logic in my mind to it. Now, there are times that I won't, but there are times that I do. Well, sometimes God's voice sounds a lot like a wife. <laughs> you mean like yours? Yes. <laughs> now, the, the second thing that is different between men and women are, are, are their speech. For example, it's been said that uh, men speak about 12,000 words a day and a woman speaks about 25,000 words a day. I've heard it's even exaggerated to 15 and 30 or 25 and 50,000. But um, the way Gary Smalley actually put this is that, you know, when a guy goes to work and, and a woman is at home, he comes home all sp spoken out. He's done, and she's just getting going. And so we grunt a lot, and, and we don't really want to go on in discussion, but communication is so essential. Um, but that's, that's another difference. Women talk. In fact, I am pretty precise in what I say, and sometimes Susan is – is off into the whole other world getting to her her topic. I circle around. She circles around. <laughs> I'll get to the point. <laughs> and that's just what women do. And that's part of honoring to understand that and accept that and love them for that. Third thing is men compartmentalize. We're able to put things in compartments where a woman, they run like a river. They, everything flows together. Uh, in fact, it's really interesting. I learned this a long time ago. That is usually how and why men have an easier time to parallel park than women. It's just because everything is coming at a woman so fast and from all over, it's harder to make that judgment of space where a man can compartmentalize and make it easier. That's just kind of one analogy of, of that. It doesn't make one better or worse than the other. It just makes us different. Well, differences are good. They are. And then uh, the fourth one, which you're going to love, men tend to give solutions where women uh, give sympathy. Right. There's, uh, I think for, <laughs> I'm sure it's not universal, but I would say in general, women tend to be more empathetic and sympathetic. And whereas a lot of men look at a situation and it's like, well, you know, that's not a big deal. And... It's just not something that's as natural, although it's not universal. I would say there's a lot of sympathetic, empathetic men, and there are, on the other hand, probably women who are more analytical and don't see that, but uh, it's important to have each of us have different traits because that way uh, it gives a balance to have the best of situations because they even out. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying that all these things are only specific toward men or women. Uh, we have a friend who probably speaks more than most women do um, because when he tells a story, it, you know, 10 minutes into the story, we're like, um, is this coming to an end? Uh, we all know who that is, but basically um, it's not specific, it's just generally. And the last thing basically is women are more detailed and men are more generalized. 
you know. And I think a lot of that is, you know, not necessarily 100% gender specific, but uh, it does make for organization to be easier that way um, because we each have our strengths and together it makes for a very strong unit. Okay. So last thing I want to say is we need to seek out why others are valuable. Well, I think it's important to just always remember to honor those in your life, whether it's um, a customer, a friend, any family member, especially your parents and your children. Uh, Show them that they're valuable to you, that you honor them, you respect them, and you can have differences, but that shouldn't get in the way of the honor. Right. And the way that we find out about any and all of this is that we need to communicate. We need to talk to one another. We need to have a a way of communication so that we understand one another. If we don't understand each other and we don't communicate, we're going to have divisions. We're going to have separations. We're going to have disagreements because we don't understand. Um, One of the things I like about talking to somebody in person opposed to texting or emailing is because that emotional look on somebody's face gives me the idea of understanding what somebody's trying to say opposed to, say, a text. Well, it gives you context. Right. So communication, in fact, communication is, they say, is the number one breakdown of most all relationships. Lack of communication or poor communication. So today as you go and you you think about and you talk about or, or you think about honoring Think about trying to put it in the very foundation of your relationships. I mean, if you're married, have it as a foundation of your marriage. Have it as a foundation of your, for your children or for your parents, uh, your workplace, um, your brothers and sisters, your friends. To honor, if we can all learn to honor one another, our community, our society will grow in such a way that we have strength that's beyond And now, especially with everyone needing to stay home, that concept of honor is ever more important as we're all in closer quarters together. In closing, and this is a really important fact, um, uh, Susan, when I talked about earlier, her middle name is Worry. She was scared to death to come here today. Well, I'm in that very high-risk group medically, so um, So I I have faith everything's going to be all right. I had to call here ahead of time, talk to my producer, ask him, is this going to be wiped down? Is this going to be, we're going to have, everything is going to be fine because, you know, she is in a high-risk area. So basically, um, she came down anyway. Uh, well, we made sure, I made sure that everything was okay for her because I wanted to honor my wife if I wanted her to come down here. Right. So basically, that's important. So today, as you... Uh, as we all pray and we look toward the next few weeks or months of the situation with this coronavirus, we need to really uh, honor each other in all aspects. If there are people there that are risky, be careful. If, you know, if you're not at the higher risk, which I'm normally not, I still need to be careful because there are others that are, that are around me. It's all about honor. And we need to learn that today. We need to live that tomorrow. Um, I thank you for listening. Uh, Mahalo. And um, thank you for joining us on The Believer's Journey. Alan Cutting and The Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com. 